Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in. Thursday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. It is uh, Thursday. We've got a busy show. A reminder that we have no show coming up on Friday. I will be out tomorrow, but a very, very busy hour today to get us caught up and to send us into the weekend. It has been just a crazy week when it comes to the Big Ten Conference and college sports and realignment. And I think the latest I saw is that the ACC backing away, it appears, uh, from maybe the addition of Cal and Stanford. So those guys hanging out there. I saw the Washington State president of the school say that his uh, athletic program, because of all this movement, was in a bad spot. And that's absolutely true for some of those hanging out there to dry right now. The four members of the Pac-12 conference that still remain. We'll see how things play out. But what a week it's been. A lot of news out here when you think we're going to be focusing on the start of college football and high school football. Boy, this past week or two uh, has been a busy time when it comes to college sports. Let's look at the show lineup for today. A service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Segment one in just a moment. Steve Cooley, the head coach of New Albany football, will join us. Coach Cooley is the dean of football coaches in the area. He's been around the longest, and we'll start with him as we begin to preview the upcoming season. I know we've been talking a lot about games in week one and some of the top players and some of the unknown storylines really around lots of our local teams, but when you can dig in, listen to the coaches, ask them some questions, you really learn more about the upcoming season, and Coach Cooley will be with us here in just a few moments. Also, later today on Thursdays, Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall. He is always with us, presented by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture, so stay with us. We'll talk IU hoops. I'm sure Alex will give his thoughts on all the conference realignment as well. And then later in the show today, Matt Weaver, IU football writer for the Peagues website, will be with us. Uh, Matt is back. He's uh, rejoined us for his weekly segment now that football is just around the corner, and we'll talk the latest with IU. We got to hear from a number of coaches, a number of players this week during fall camp, before after fall camp, and that will continue between now and the start of the season. So we'll see lots of question marks about Indiana football for the upcoming season. That's the lineup for today. 
a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. And the Thornton's text line is open. That number, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. If you're looking for an icy cold Thirst Quencher, you can check it out at Thornton's. All 32-ounce fountain drinks and smaller are only 89 cents. You heard it right, only 89 cents. So come in today and grab a fountain drink from Thornton's. Coach Cooley of New Albany Football with us right now. Coach, the high school football season is almost here. Lots of practices, official scrimmages set for, I think, most if not all of our local schools on Friday night. So, essentially, we're a week away from kickoff 2023. Yeah, it's an exciting time right now. You know, we were really young last year, and we took our lumps here and there, but uh, we got a lot of talented kids back. They're bigger and stronger and more experienced, so... uh, you know, we're excited to scrimmage tomorrow night, hit somebody else. About Tuesday, we, we backed off hitting. We are tired of hitting each other. So uh, um, it's one of those things. We just need to start hitting somebody else. And uh, we're excited for our scrimmage tomorrow night and stay healthy and uh, get ready to go to Indianapolis and take on a really good Franklin team in game one. Coach, I know you guys with other area programs have been busy this summer with workouts, practices, and even some scrimmage opportunities. But tomorrow night's scrimmage, these are the official scrimmages leading into the season. I'm assuming typically the crowd of parents and fans and others from the school is a little bit more like a normal football game. So tomorrow, for your players, it really signals a game day experience in many ways. It is. We're kind of treating it like a practice. We're still evaluating some kids. We got four or five kids trying to fight for some spots that we still haven't figured out. We're going to play them all tomorrow night and see how they do. Uh, we got a couple kids out for injuries and some other reasons, but uh, for the most part, we're just going to be excited to hit somebody else. And you know, we don't game plan scrimmages. We just basically we got a script. You know, here's the 15 plays I'm going to go in and run. Here's a couple things we're going to run on defense, and so we want to see good fundamentals and. Uh, fly around, tackle well on defense, and do what they're supposed to do, and then take care of the ball on offense and uh, and uh, block well up front. But, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be a good time to just hit somebody else and then uh, uh, get ready for game one. This is year seven at New Albany for Steve Cooley and his 29th year overall as a head high school football coach in our state. Coach, uh, you open the season at Franklin, a 5A team that's been really good on August 18th, and then you've got your first home game in Week 2. It's a really good Christian Academy of Louisville team. They've been a state-caliber championship program in the state of Kentucky now for a number of years. What a tough start to the season before you open Hoosier Hills Conference play against Jennings County to start September. Yeah, for us, we're trying to take it one day at a time, one game at a time. So for us, we're going to, you know, uh, get ready for Franklin and focus on Franklin and do everything we can to win the game. And uh, and that'll make us better. Playing good competition is going to make us better. And hopefully we come out of that healthy out of you know, playing up there. And then game two, we got one of the best teams in Louisville that nobody really wants to play over there. I call all my friends that coach in Jefferson County, like, hey, nobody wants to play Cal. You know, I'm like, well, you know what, they're on our schedule, let's do it. So, uh, you know, we're going to do everything we can to try to win that game. And, uh they're well coached. They got a you know power five quarterback. They got some other D one kids around him. So uh, you know they they got some they got some uh, uh, talent uh, that Hunter Cantwell has over there. So it's kind of a uh, a machine here. The last few years, you know, they were sixteen and zero last year. Last year, and they had thirteen running clocks at halftime. 
I mean, they were up by 35 on everybody they played in Kentucky. So uh, all the way to the state final. So they're a talented team, and they got everybody back. So uh, we'll have our work cut out for us the first two games, and uh, you know, come out of them healthy, and hopefully two and zero, uh, and you know, get ready for the conference play. Coach, I know you mentioned a number of starters back from last season. One of those guys is Kenny Watson, who I believe will be your quarterback. Uh, he completed 61 of 108 passes for 677 yards and seven touchdowns a year ago. Is he locked in as the starting quarterback? And then also tell us about some of the other offensive returners. It seems like you've got a lot back from that side of the ball. Yeah, he's uh, he's done a nice job. He's got his arm strength improved tremendously. He's throwing the ball really good down the field now. Um, and he's got some young kids around him that can run. You know, two years ago, we were lights out. We had a lot of talent. We had a lot of speed. Last year, we were really limited as far as being able to throw the ball down the field and do some things. But uh, we've got some really good young kids coming that can, that can flat out run that we can, we can take shots down the field again like we did two years ago. And so for the next couple of years, we'll be able to do that. So we're excited about that. Um, Kenny's done a good job, more, most importantly, as a leader and as a person and doing everything we've asked him to do, you know, taking the football team on his shoulders and uh, going from there. And running back, you know, Dakota Johnson was our leading receiver. He's back along with Clay Kaiser. Uh, both those two guys are going to split time back there and do a great job for us. Receivers on the outside, we return Gavin Rand as well as uh, Tavante Johnson are both back. And then we got a, a power five tight end in Chase Lush who, uh, you know, came on in the middle of the year last year. Everybody's recruiting, in, you know, in the Midwest basically is, is come in to look at him. And uh, we really didn't know how to use him last year, so we spent all offseason trying to, you know, talk to everybody that's uses really good tight ends went up to Notre Dame and talked to those guys. And so Chase is going to have a variety of ways we can get him the ball as well. So we've got weapons in different places on offense from a skill standpoint. Uh, we've got a young man named Donovan Taylor, who's, who's you know, Clark Floyd champion of the 100. He'll be a freshman. He's going to get some time at the W uh, position for us, along with a young man named Andrew Crowdis and uh, our returning starter at, at corner, Christopher Lampkins, is going to play some W for us as well. So from an offensive standpoint, we've got pretty good skill coming back, and a lot of our kids up front are returning starters as well. Coach, what's the question mark you have about this team? I know you said you're still evaluating some individual players and will continue to do so in Friday night scrimmage, but what's the area that if your football team can shore that up, get that together, exceed in that area, this new Albany team along with this offense can have a great year? The biggest thing for us is going to be depth, especially early in the year with the heat in game one, two, three. You know, for us, there's a big drop-off right now from the skill set from ones to twos, which that's the way in most programs. But we're trying to get those two tons of experience. Uh, we're playing a freshman schedule this year, which we haven't been able to do for the last couple of years. we got a really talented freshman class, probably the best one since the one that you know went to the semi-state two years ago. They're that caliber of group of kids. So, uh, so we're excited about keeping those kids together, and you know they win some games down there. But uh, the biggest thing is staying healthy and uh, developing some depth. And uh, as they, the young guys get better and, and play at a higher level, you know, that's going to that's gonna help us out. Steve Cooley, New Albany football coach, joining us today. The first of the area football coaches to join us as we preview high school football for the upcoming 2023 season. Coach, we've learned more about your team. You, you've been around so long. You know the game. You know the area. You know the Hoosier Hills Conference. What do you see in the HHC this year? Is it a competitive year? Is there a team yeah. like Columbus East has been for so long that's a big front runner? Yeah, I mean, I think Seymour's probably the favorite just because they got like 20 starters back. I mean, they've got, you know, for one more year, all those kids are back. 
And um, I think they'll probably be the favorite. You know, Bedford's got, you know, their quarterback back and a bunch of skilled kids, so they'll be able to score some points. Uh, they'll be solid again. East is always good. Uh, you know, Jeff's got their quarterback back. They should be pretty solid. I mean, really the top four or five teams in the league, you know, Floyd should be better. I mean, we'll be much improved. You know, it'll be a good uh, – it'll be probably four or five teams fighting to get to the top of the league, I would imagine. And Jennings was much improved last year with a new coach and new offense and for what they were doing, and uh, and their quarterback really came on at the end of the year at Jennings County. So we'll have a tough one game three if, you know, if we're not healthy and ready to play. Steve Cooley, New Albany football coach, our guest. We talked, Coach, about the opening of your schedule, some really tough opponents in week one and week two. And then from that point, you go on a three-week swing against Hoosier Hills Conference teams, Jennings County, to start September, then at Bedford and at Columbus East. The rival games, Jeffersonville and Floyd Central specifically, those are toward the back third of the season. Coach, you talked some about the Hoosier Hills Conference. Let's talk about Southern Indiana football as a whole, maybe from Columbus South. Um, it, it hasn't always been an area where you see teams get to Lucas Oil Stadium and to state championship games, especially from our more local area. What, what's the feel across the area, across different classes, and just maybe outside of the Hoosier Hills Conference as well? Well, I mean, Providence should be pretty good for another year, I would imagine, from everything that I've seen and, and talked to. We didn't play them. We did play Charlestown and Madison this summer. Charlestown will be solid again. Silver Creek, Dave does a good job there at Silver Creek. Uh, I know East Central, you know, we're, we're, uh, we work with Lawrenceburg and East Central and, and those, some of those teams over there on the other side of the state. But, you know, East Central won it all in Lawrenceburg, went to the state finals. Uh, both of them will be really good. East Central has everybody back. And uh, so they've always given us a tough scrimmage in the summer. Um, but I would say from a Southern Indiana standpoint, uh, and Castle's got, you know, a bunch of kids back over towards Evansville. And Evansville North will be much improved. Um, normally we play some of those guys. We'll go up to Indianapolis and play some scrimmage from Indianapolis schools. But uh, we didn't cross paths with any of the Evansville schools this year. So uh, I can't speak much to them. But from down here, from a standpoint, Clarksville's got a new coach. I don't know much about them. I'm sure he'll do a nice job there. But... Um, other than that, it'll be uh, it'll be competitive pretty much week in and week out. There should be uh, some good some good talent, a lot of good quarterbacks at least in our league. Absolutely, Steve Cooley of New Albany with his coach as always. Thanks for the chat. Now that the season's here, we'll be checking in with you before some of your big games this year. Wish you the very best. Hey, thank you, thank you guys for all you do for high school football and high school sports in Indiana. All right, thank you so much. Steve Cooley, our first of the local coaches to join us. And what a tough start for New Albany. Boy, at Franklin, they've been really good in 5A football. And Coach Cooley mentioned Christian Academy from Louisville. I think I read somewhere they had double-digit running clocks last season uh, against Kentucky teams. That shows you how strong that program uh, has been. They've been a state championship-level program in their respective class uh, in the Bluegrass State, so another tough opponent. Of course, you know, the good thing is, I guess, even when you don't have a New Albany, a Jeff, a Floyd Central, highly ranked as they might be in basketball a lot of years or baseball some years, even volleyball, think about Providence and Silver Creek and Christian Academy and others, you do get a lot of uh, good competitive games. It may not be teams with the best of records. It may not be teams that uh, have the opportunity to get to a state championship game, but 
often we do get some competitive games, uh, and that's been good for this area. It hasn't been an area that's produced a lot of state champions or a lot of deep tournament runs. You'd have to look back at Coach Cooley's team a few years ago for a real breakthrough for this area to get to the semi-state. His team ultimately defeated by Indianapolis Cathedral, but that was a humongous breakthrough for New Albany football and we'll see how the dogs are this season. Talking week one football, of course, it's hard to get too far from the Silver Creek-Charlestown game. That's the battle of Highway 403, and this year it also coincides with the grand opening of Silver Creek's new football field and stadium, which is going to be really awesome to see. I saw the athletic director there, Coach Dablo, former football coach, putting out some reminders for fans about that week one game and some rules for the new stadium. And that's exciting to see a new first-class facility like that. You can now add Silver Creek to the list of locals with turf. And, uh, of course, we've seen so many upgrades to athletic facilities here in the area over the last five, ten or so years. Uh, and a lot of that has come from the football side, uh, outside uh, the part of the high school sports with turf fields. That has been big for our area. Helps a lot with practices and obviously the games and keeping things rolling even when the weather, as it sometimes is, especially in the fall, isn't as great. You can still get a lot of those games in at least at some point. Steve Cooley with us today. We'll be back uh, next week with some additional coaches as well. We'll get Coach Pappenhouse and Coach Hawkins on from the big Silver Creek-Charlestown rivalry as well in advance of their game coming up next Friday. Uh, so that will be a lot of fun. We'll head to a commercial break. When we come back, segment two today, Alex Bozich inside the hall presented by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture. We'll talk IU basketball and got to get Alex's thoughts on conference realignment as well. It has been the chatter of the week. There is no question about that. We'll see what Alex has to say. And of course, still ahead today, Matt Weaver joins us after Alex to talk IU football. So IU basketball next, IU football to follow. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back on this Thursday edition of the program. Thornton's text line is open. That number, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall is with us. He had a break last week for vacation, but with us this week as we talk IU basketball. In our Thursday program, the segment brought to you by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture, where you can save 25% during their pre-grand opening sale at all three locations, two in downtown New Albany and their newest location on Veterans Parkway in Jeffersonville. Alex, great to have you back. Lots going on. Let's uh, give you an opportunity first to weigh in on conference realignment. What a strange week, week and a half it's been for high major power five college sports. Yeah, I mean, it's not surprising, Matt, obviously, with 
everything that's gone on the last couple of years and all the TV money that's being thrown around, it's obviously all dictated at this point by TV, and, and that's driving everything, and that's understandable. Uh, I, I just, it's unfortunate, I feel like, for the sports other than football, uh, because Football is unique, and you know you only play once a week. So you know if there's a lot of travel involved, it's not necessarily that big of a deal uh, for Rutgers to go play UCLA or for Indiana to go play at Oregon because you know out on a Thursday or a Friday you play the game, and then you come back and you have a week back on campus to get ready for the next game. Whereas in some of these other sports, basketball, which we talk about every week not going to be that way and uh, even less so for the the lower revenue sports where they're traveling uh commercially so obviously money is, is at the forefront of all of this and football is driving all the decisions um in some ways uh, you know i've, I've kind of come to the conclusion that it would be best if football just kind of broke away and did its own thing and played its own league and uh, I don't even necessarily know why you need conferences uh, at that point if you're going to do uh, like a super football league where teams just kind of play schedule their games and then try to make it into a playoff and go from there. I mean, I think that could work, and then you kind of leave the other sports alone where I think you know it's all gotten rolled into this thing. I just don't necessarily think it's best in the best interest for college sports, but obviously I'm not making the decisions and. Um, like I said, it's all driven by money, but it, it's, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me to have these four West Coast teams now in the Big Ten when, you, when you're all the way uh, now on both coasts and, uh, you know, you consider sports, you know, like a baseball or volleyball, uh, other sports like that. This does not necessarily make any sense to me to, to have it set up this way, but it is what it is at this point, and uh, what we think, I guess, doesn't matter. But I'm sure, Matt, you kind of share some of the same concerns, and uh, it's, it's. I don't necessarily think it's going to be in the long-term best interest of college basketball. Yeah, absolutely. Hard to see where some of this stuff ends, to be honest. You know, Notre Dame makes sense for the Big Ten if you think about mm-hmm. what could be next as far as movement. Obviously, television money we know is the number one the financial end of it clearly is driving all this. But outside of Notre Dame, I know the ACC schools have some issues as far as getting loose from that grant of rights, the current agreement that they have. Uh, then, of course, you've got Cal and Stanford and SMU in Texas. But is there any anyone that if you were the commissioner of the Big Ten Conference, if this thing is going to become a nationwide conference, if you're in the race to be the college conference, maybe one of two or three big ones ultimately when all the movement is over with, are there any other schools out there right now that are on your radar if you're the guy making those decisions? I mean, I, you know, the problem is – you know, you asked me that question from, like, the perspective of, you know, I'm viewing it with more of a basketball lens and what makes sense geographically, and they're not going to view it that way. They're going to view it from football. Obviously, you mentioned Notre Dame. That's the the one that everyone, I think, is focused on. But, you know, I think all of this movement almost kind of makes it less likely that Notre Dame does do anything because they've, they've got such a good deal set up with how they are right now and, um, being able to kind of call their own shots and not have to worry about uh, they kind of have best of both worlds being in the ACC for other sports other than football and they kind of run their own. That's kind of why, you know, I I tend to 
look at maybe football breaking off being in the best interest. But in terms of school, I mean, North Carolina, I think from a Big Ten perspective, um, makes sense. Um, you know, they've got a not, a, not the strongest football program, but a good football program, a good basketball program, they're good in other sports. Um, you know, in terms, in terms of trying to bring in a market, I think, you know, that that would be something that would make some sense. You know, other than that, um, nothing really stands out to me. I mean, Stanford, if you're going to go to the West Coast, I think Stanford is a really strong athletic department that, uh, you know, has been good in, in the past in football traditionally. I think they would make some sense, but it, it seems to me that they don't really want to break away from Cal. They, I think any deal with Stanford's probably going to include Cal as well, so uh, I don't know how much sense that makes. Um yeah, I just, you know, something you, you said earlier, Matt, in this conversation um, kind of got me thinking, too. It's just where, where does all this end up? And that's the kind of the question I think that's a top of mind from, from everybody. And, you know, eventually, I mean, the money right now is great, and these TV networks are going to be able to continue to pour more money in. But uh, at some point, uh, that's going to slow down, or uh, and, and then these all these athletic departments are going to have to reconcile the fact that they've got, from a logistical standpoint, a, a lot of challenges with sports other than football for travel, and uh, we, we've not really seen it uh, come you know come to the surface yet. Because like for the Big Ten as an example, I mean these West Coast schools haven't started to play yet, but scheduling. I think is going to be become a big issue in the in the future for the next couple of years. Obviously, with the Big Ten adding those schools next year, I mean, the more schools you have, um, you're going to have to figure out. You know, are you going to send a team to play all four schools on the West Coast at once to kind of lim- eliminate travel? All that, all that sort of thing, uh, I think, becomes uh, a logistical challenge. And it all sounds great right now, and the money's great, and everyone's happy because. The schools are, are getting more money, and the conference commissioners are, are lining their pockets, and the college football playoff is thriving, and it's you know one of the more watched TV sports events. But I think some of this other stuff that, that people aren't thinking about uh, down the line uh, is going to uh, become more of a challenge maybe than people realize at this point. All right, Alex Bozich inside the hall. This segment brought to you by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture. Let's dive into some IU stuff. I tell you what, there's been some really positive uh, clips out there from Kellel Ware. He's at the Nike Skills Academy, uh, one of the only, I think the only college player there from a non-Nike-sponsored school, which I think mm-hmm. is a statement in itself. But good to see him getting a chance to work out with some of the other great college players be around some great instructors, go through a lot of drills and workouts and measurables, and I know there's NBA personnel there as well. So got to be good for him, got to be good for IU for the upcoming season. Yeah, it's been, I mean, it's kind of a slower time right now on the calendar I mean, for recruiting. I think it's, it's, we're either in a dead period or a dead period coming up. Not really a whole lot going to be happening on that front in terms of visits until next month and you know, the players are, are home now, and so it's been interesting to just follow the stuff from a afar. And where, to me, just from watching the clips, I still wonder just in terms of how he carries himself and his intensity out there. I want to see him, like, in an actual game situation to see how he looks. But it's hard to 
uh, you know, he, he just looks different than most of the big guys that you've seen in the Big Ten now over a long period of time. He almost moves a little bit like a guard or, or you know, a wing out there uh, when he's on the perimeter uh, moving away from the ball. Got a nice shooting stroke, and just the way he glides to the basket, he's not your traditional uh, big man. And so uh, it's, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how he fits alongside Malik Renew. I think they're going to be able to play some inside out with, you know, Lair stretching the ball out to the three-point line, probably taking and making some threes. And I think that's going to be a nice compliment with uh, Malik Renew and obviously Mbako uh, as a part of that trio as well. So, yeah, those, those clips have been encouraging to see. Obviously, social media sometimes is a little bit just let's show only the positive and not uh, anything that, that maybe draws some questions. But, you know, Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN and Draft Express uh, has a really good eye for talent, and uh, I don't think it's any coincidence that he's featured where multiple times this week on his on his Twitter account, putting those clips out there. I think he's someone that, that they really like in terms of the long-term uh, upside uh, from a draft perspective. It's a big year for Khalil Lair because we've talked about this before, Matt, but you know, he's now in his second year of college, and the longer you go, the less desirable you become for the NBA. So I think if he's going to try to make a jump and be a lottery pick or be a first-round pick, he's going to need to do it after this up- upcoming season. Yeah, no question about it. Alex Bozich inside the hall, our guest talking IU basketball. You know, Kellel Ware with his size, with what he brings to the team, uh, hard to see him from the get-go, Alex, not getting not only the opportunity to start. I think that's basically a given if you look at the roster for next season, but it's hard to see him at least not getting the opportunities to get the touches and the involvement in the IU team the offense that he needs to maybe become that first round draft pick if he's going to do it after this season yeah i mean he's i mean somebody's gonna to have to score with what they i mean you just go down the list of all the different guys that are gone uh i think i saw a stat that indiana's returns going something like 25 to 30 but not exactly sure on the percent 25 to 30 percent of its scoring somebody's got to fill that that void and uh I mean, I think it's going to come from a variety of places, but I think Khalil Ware, I mean, from a production standpoint, you know, he should be looking at minimum averaging double-figure scoring and, you know, six, seven, eight rebounds a game. I mean, with, with his size, his athleticism, uh, his just raw talent, uh, to me that should be the floor for him. Uh, it could be a good shot blocker, too. I think he averaged almost one-and-a-half blocks per game last season for Oregon in about 15 minutes a game, so... Maybe he gets up and plays 25, 28 minutes a game. All of a sudden, he's averaging two, two and a half blocks per game. That would be big for Indiana's defense as well. So I think he, you know, the thing, like I said, when I watch the clips, I see the talent. I see the, um, just the, the tools to become a great player. I just, you know, with everything we've been told this offseason and read and people questioning his motor, I think that's the biggest thing he's going to have to answer how assertive is he going to be? How is he going to kind of impose his talent on other people? Because he's, there's no doubt most nights in the Big Ten he's going to be the most talented player on the court when he steps out there. But that's not everything it's about on a night-to-night basis. It's also just about your approach or your mental toughness and how bad do you want it. And I think you know that's going to be a challenge for Mike Woodson and the coaching staff. They're going to have to get him to realize that, hey, you know, your recruiting ranking in high school doesn't matter anymore. Um, you know, what, what you're showing up on these mock drafts right now doesn't matter. 
these scouts want to see you go out there and dominate people, and he's got to have that mentality. We haven't seen it yet, but hopefully that's something that, like I said, Woodson and the coaching staff can get out of it. Alex Bozich inside the hall talking IU basketball for the upcoming season. You know, Alex, this past week we've heard a lot about Kellel because he's at the Nike camp. We've also talked a lot about Malik Renew because the photo he tweeted out of kind of a before and after body shot with some of his measurables there that have really improved since last summer. But there are other names as you go through this IU roster and think about what they're going to have to have all come together to maybe beat some of the predictions, the early predictions of a 7th or 8th place Indiana finish. And Trey Galloway is one of those guys to me, leader, defense, going to have to provide some shooting as well. But beyond Ware and Renew and Galloway, who we all seem to talk a lot about, they're going to have to be some other guys in the starting lineup coming off the bench as well, really step up to make this thing work. Yeah, uh, I mean, Trey Galloway has been a guy who struggled with injuries early in his career, and last year kind of really, I thought, put it together for the first time and was consistent, shot the ball really well. He's got to take another step forward. And then as you look down the roster, I mean, to me, the guard depth scares me a little bit beyond Xavier Johnson and, and Trey Galloway. I mean, how? what are they going to get out of, Gabe Cups, what are they going to get out of C.J. Gunn? Is Ja'Kai Newton going to be able to play at all or, and contribute anything? I think that's a question. Uh, the development of Caleb Banks is another thing that, you know, that I think is somewhat important to this team because he's going to have to fill in some of the, the minutes uh, that were uh, vacated by some of the guys that left the program and transferred out. And then uh, I do think the front court on this team is going to be well-equipped to more than hold its own against opponents on a night-in, night-out basis. But, yeah, I think Trey Galloway and Xavier Johnson are going to have a ton on their plate this season. They're going to probably both have to play upwards of 30 minutes a game and stay stay healthy and stay out of foul trouble. And, you know, that's, you know, obviously with Johnson, um, he's coming off an injury. So uh, it was kind of a freakish injury. He's been pretty reliable for most of his career. So I would expect that he's going to be able to, to be out there uh, and, and stay healthy, hopefully. And with Galloway, the same thing. You know, he's one of those guys that you know attacks the rim relentlessly, and sometimes you kind of hold your breath when he goes up and uh, sacrifices his body and things like that. Hopefully, he comes down and stays healthy. But he was able to do that last year, so I, I think really those two guys to me are pivotal um, in terms of where Indiana's season uh, ends up. You know, if you if you will tell me that those guys are going to have career years and both kind of grow their games uh, beyond where they were previously. And I think Indiana can exceed expectations, but if they're, if they're not able to do that uh, and, co- and you combine that with kind of the question marks at the guard position, I think you could be looking at a Indiana team that really struggles to, to be more than a bubble team. Yeah, absolutely. Alex Bozich inside the hall talking IU basketball today. we got to get to recruiting real quick here. We're up against the commercial break. Uh, who's the top prospect for Indiana right now? And I, when I say that, who do you feel like they have the best chance of landing over the course of the fall? I know a lot of people might say Liam McNeely as he gets ready to come back for another visit. But as we go to break, what is your quick thought on that, Alex? I would agree with Liam McNeely. I mean, he's been the guy that's 
recruited really as hard and as long as, as anybody on the list. Um, he's the guy we have at the top of our current recruiting board. He's obviously scheduled to come on campus. They made it a huge priority uh, to watch him. I know they built a really good relationship there. At one time, I think it was a lot of people felt like he would go to Texas, but that was before the Chris Beard coaching change and all that. So, you know, I think Indiana's got a, a really good chance to to get him. And he obviously consensus. I think for most people, top ten player in the country. So that'd be one heck of a way to start the 2024 recruiting class. Alex Bozich inside the hall, presented by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture each week. Alex, thank you. All right, thank you, Matt. As we head to a commercial break, I do want to note Grace Berger, who's got Southern Indiana ties. She had 14 points for the Indiana Fever, of course, an IU women's great in recent years. But she had 14 points for the Fever on Tuesday. The team lost to the L.A. Sparks, her second highest scoring total from any game during her rookie season so far. I think she is going to be just fine in the WNBA. What a great person and a great player Grace Berger is. We'll head to a commercial break. We are back with more, including a chat with Matt Weaver of Pigs.com on IU football after this on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back on this Thursday edition of the program. Matt Weaver, Pigs.com, the IU football writer for the Pigs website. He's with us Thursdays at least once a week as we talk IU football here on the show. Matt, uh, we're inching closer to the start of the college football season. I know that uh, Coach Allen gave a injury update a little earlier uh, in the week at fall camp. Where does Indiana stand at this point as they prepare for Ohio State as far as health goes? Well, I mean, you know, based on what he said yesterday in his press conference, I mean, they seem to be relatively healthy. I mean, I mean like you said, there's some guys, he said some soft tissue things, and, you know, they're just now starting to get going to full pads. So maybe some guys with some bumps and bruises, but, you know, it sounds like so far so good as far as, um, you know, the health of the team. You know, hopefully, you know, knock on wood, that, that, that's the way it stays, um, you know, through the rest of camp uh, leading up into that first game. Matt Weaver, Pigs.com, IU football, Dexter Williams, IU quarterback, uh, ahead of rehab, I believe Coach Allen said. Uh, that could factor in, I'm assuming, in the race for who the starting quarterback is to begin the, the season at least. Well, you know, I don't think it'll be much of a factor for the first few weeks just because based on what Coach Allen said, and they had always thought, you know, best case scenario was probably around the midpoint of the season. That's something I kind of heard all off season and, but now it sounds like it could even be earlier than that. You know, maybe he said maybe a, a game or two before the midpoint, which would be huge. I mean, I'll be honest. When I saw him out there, when we got to, I can't remember what first practice we got to see. Might have been the first one of fall camp. But um, uh, I was shocked to see him out there. Um, you know, I mean, I figured I'd see him out on the field doing, like, rehab stuff. But he was out there, you know, doing individual drills. Now, I don't think he's doing any team stuff when they go 11-on-11. But he was out there doing individual stuff and throwing passes and things like that. So, you know, considering the injury and how obviously when it happened, that he's moving pretty well. You can still you can tell he's not 100. percent But 
you know, the progress has been remarkable. And if they could get him back, you know, at midpoint even at the latest, that'd still be uh, quite a boost for the quarterback room. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, Matt Weaver, Peaks.com with us. Matt, uh, a lot of college football alignment chatter this week. Uh, you obviously have a good read of things, especially from a football perspective, and that's what's driving so much of this. Do you think things for now, as far as the Big Ten is concerned, have calmed down, or is there still a chance at a Stanford, a Cal, or maybe someone else making a move here that we're not expecting? You know, I think probably for the Big Ten, my guess is, my gut is, is that it's probably going to simmer down for a little while. I think if they wanted Stanford and Cal, you probably just would have taken them when you took um, uh, Washington and Oregon here, you know, obviously last week. Um, you know, so not to say that it couldn't happen, but it sounds like it's more ACC could be talking to Stanford and Cal. Um, you know, I, I um, the, the realignment stuff has kind of gone quicker than, you know, I think maybe some had anticipated. I mean, I, you know, I knew the Pac-12. We kind of knew the Pac-12 was always in a little bit of danger because their media rights deal was ending, and, you know, they hadn't had anything on the horizon as far as something to replace it. Um, but it, just to see it happen last week and, and so suddenly and to see the Pac-12 basically dissolve before our eyes was kind of shocking. But, you know, I think, I think the next thing will be what happens with the ACC. Now, their media rights deal goes to, like, 2036, and they're kind of locked into it, I believe. Um, but I know some schools, Florida State in particular, are really, you know, not happy with it and are looking for ways to get out. If somehow that conference, if teams could start jumping out of that conference, then obviously that would, that would change things because a Florida State, a Clemson, a Miami – you know, Virginia, North Carolina, I think those schools would be very appealing to the Big Ten and the SEC. Yeah, absolutely. Talking with Matt Weaver, Matt is with the Peaks.com website. Great coverage on a daily basis of IU football. Matt is the best in the business. Matt, uh, when we look ahead to the start of the season, obviously Ohio State is a tough one. We talked some about this last week. Um, the schedule could change for IU in the future. Once uh, USC and UCLA enter next season, that's going to get rid of the divisional format, which could mean a different should mean a different schedule most years for Indiana, where they're not taking on uh, three big programs from the Big Ten East. But if Indiana gets beaten, maybe beaten badly by Ohio State in that first game, as the betters will predict. Um, is it hard to bounce back from something like that, or has it just become a known in the Big Ten East that you're going to probably take some L's, you're going to take on some great competition, and you probably aren't going to win those games, and you might not even be real close in those games. How do you bounce back from a tough start like that, such a tough opener for Indiana? Yeah, it's a good question, and it's, it's kind of a tough one to answer just because there's so many new players on this team and so, like, you know, in years past, even though you, obviously the roster changes from year to year, you kind of had a good idea of, you know, how the team might bounce back from, you know, a, a disappointing performance. With this one, there's just so many new guys, and you're, just, you're trying to get to know them. I mean, I think there are some veterans or some older guys who've transferred in from other programs, who you know, who've been through, you know, uh, these kind of scenarios. So, you know, I mean, you hope they, that, that, it, that they'd be able to stick together and bounce back. I mean, obviously – you know, in week two, you bounce, you come back, and you're going to play Indiana State, which I'm not saying, I mean, beating them should, is going to give you a ton of confidence, but at least gives you something to bounce back, and hopefully, I mean, it should be a win and a fairly, a fairly um, you know, easy win for Indiana. So, you know, I mean, it, it's it's a tough game. I mean, you go into the Ohio State game with your eyes wide open because you know what you're in for. Even if you play well, there's chances are it's going to be very difficult to pull out the win. So, I think mean, to me, that game is you want to try to get better, try not to get – guys beat up 
and you know just try to survive and, and, and give them the best run for the money that you can. Matt, Indiana added a player from Wisconsin uh, that was a walk-on for the Badgers. I believe he'll be a scholarship player now for the Hoosiers. Thoughts on that and update on who he is and what he can bring? Well, I don't know a ton about him. His name is Drew Evans. Drew Evans I'm sorry. He's from, uh, I think it's Fort Atkinson, uh, Wisconsin. Like you said, he was a walk-on up there. He was a true freshman last year who redshirted. Obviously, uh, Bob Bostat would have, you know, uh, very good knowledge of him being the old line coach of the Wisconsin last last season. Um, you know, so, um, you know, the thing with Bostat is he's done a great job bringing what he brought in a ton of walk-on guys to Wisconsin, and a number of them went on to not only be in the NFL, but be outstanding NFL players. Um, so, you know, I'm kind of trust his judgment. And, um, you know, he's a, I think he was listed at 6'4", 260. My guess, he's heavier than that. He's bigger than that. Um, probably an interior guy. I, mean, I know he played right tackle in high school and was an all-conference, uh, you know, kind of all-area performer. I would think he probably moves inside because at 6'4", I'm guessing he probably doesn't have the length to play on the edge. But, you know, they lost Cam Knight right before the season. It was announced that he was a medical hardship. Um, and I just think this is kind of a replacement for Cam Knight to give him some depth. I don't know that he helps you much this year. But going forward, it just gives you some depth on the interior of the line. And, it's, he, you know, while he's a young guy, He's not a brand-new player. He's at least had a year of college football at a, at a good program. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he uh, develops over the upcoming seasons. Absolutely. Matt Weaver, Peaks.com. Matt, thank you. We'll talk with you next week when we're even closer to the start of the season. Appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. That's going to wrap things up for this Thursday program. A reminder, no show on Friday. There will be no show Friday in the 11 o'clock hour, but I will be back with you. Monday of next week. So have a great weekend. Uh, enjoy, uh, hopefully, some, some better weather, some non-rainy weather. And we'll be back with you Monday at 11 a.m. here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. <laughs>